Welcome to the If I Had a Crystal Ball podcast with Magnolia Marketing Communications. Each month, we'll invite inspirational industry experts, entrepreneurs, and trailblazers to talk about content and communications as we navigate this new era together. Let's begin today's conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our third series of If I Had a Crystal Ball. And today I have with me James Alexander, who is the co-founder of Astor Wellness, along with his wife, Lynn Wedells. Both of them are registered clinical counselors, and they also have these fancy initials after their titles. <laughs> I know James and his wife for many years, and with James, it goes even more um, beyond that. So I am really excited, or as my millennial children would say, uber stoke to have James uh, with me on this uh, mm-hmm. conversation today. And I hope a lot of you will feel a lot of um, association with the topic um, in both our professional and personal life. And the topic that we're going to be talking about today is digital fatigue, or even just plain fatigue. <laughs> Indeed, and, and I, uh, Phoebe, I'll say I'm stoked as well, and perhaps I'm <laughs> I'm not quite in that millennial age category anymore uh, either. But but um, you're still much younger. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm excited to be a part of our yes and, our conversation um, today for sure. And um, you know, as the founder of Magnolia Communications, over the past few months, you know, our podcast series has focused on content marketing and how content strategy needs to pivot during these times. But I thought, you know what, let's take a break from the marketing talk and let's focus on human talk (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and talk about something that I know many of my friends and my circles and peers as well um, have been discussing. So um, you can definitely read the full bio of James and his credential on the website, which I will share with you guys at the end of the podcast today. But I really don't wanna waste any more time and dive right into the topic with James. And, and, and really, James, just ask you from your perspective, because, you know, as a clinical counselor dealing with lots of patients, mm-hmm. what, you know, what are they experiencing on this topic, you know, and is it difficult for us to recognize what we are each when we're experiencing stress and can we somehow identify anxiety for, mm-hmm. you know, during this you know, whole digital fatigue that we are maybe even define what in your mind, what digital fatigue is right before we get into that topic, James. Okay, well, we've got, we've got lots of big stuff to get into. And Mm -hmm. granted, this theme of digital fatigue, it's more familiar to us now, I feel, because of our our COVID-19 situation. And there's been the ups and downs of lockdown and uh, social or physical distancing. It has had great effect on us, but it feels like it's been a bit of an experiment for a lot of people because it's it's unprecedented, at least in Mm -hmm. uh, recent generations, to say that we're going to be at a distance, we're gonna try and live, work, play from within the same four walls, uh, being at home and disconnected as much as possible so that we do best for each other. And yet it is not our nature to be so disconnected. That is the challenge and it is one of the stressors that we're facing. And so as everyone turns to digital media, social media, there are various devices where they feel that that helps maintain connection to some degree, it actually seems to be costing us. And Mm. there is some evidence of stress, burnout, anxiety, depression, relationship challenges. These are some of the topics and main themes that I'm encountering in my practice. 
And sometimes people don't quite even identify that they are succumbing to their stress yeah. or that they are feeling some aspect of burnout, just that something's not right. And gee, it's, I guess it's this COVID situation that is to blame. And James, what can I do to, to yeah. make it go away or to yeah. fix it? Well, we want to be tough, right? We want to be tough and say, oh, no, that's not what I'm feeling, you know, anxiety. Oh, yeah, something else. But we kind of Mm -hmm. scoff it off, right? Well, and there's this whole thing that gets into this stigma around where we're at in our mental health and how we view um, an approach to clinical counseling and the study of psychology. You know, there's been a lot of it that's slightly taboo. Mm. And yet I feel that it is worthy of keeping up in conversation. You know, this is my my area of passion. It's my, my area I want to uh, grow discussion on for a lot of people and, and share that this is worthy of being spoken about. Mm-hmm. So how do we recognize that if we are, you know, experiencing stress and anxiety? Is it something, you know, as simple as, oh, I'm moody today, I'm crying, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are some things that people kind of go, okay, take a deep breath, you know, you are going right. through that yes. stress. What, what, how, what are the things that you kind of trigger, so to speak. Well, I, I guess one of the things is as people come in and they, they connect with us in our, our practice, it may not be beautifully identified, all the stuff that's been going on. And so it, it sometimes is this conversation and even gentle confrontation with some mm-hmm. of my clients that, geez, you know, you've got a, a lot on the go. And do you realize how much you're balancing from that same small space that you call home and that you're environment your situation has changed Hmm. but the stressors have only increased and so we start to explore what is it that you're trying to balance what is your work-life balance how are you keeping well how are you keeping resilient Mm -hmm. and also what are those things that pulls on your resources right and i guess from a digital fatigue perspective what are some of those elements that add to it you know like you and I were talking the other day about how just, you know, yes, certainly Zoom calls are part of it. There's also, you know, people are also having more time now. They, they shop online. I think like Amazon today is having their prime day. Oh, right. That's right. right. Yes, of course. So again, we might not think of that as part of digital fatigue as it's quote unquote, you know, shopping online, but all these things do add up mm-hmm. to, to that digital overwhelmness, right? Or being overwhelmed right. by it. Well, there's a couple of things that I'll, I'll, I'll mention just to, uh, to launch in because as we introduce a topic around digital fatigue, if that's our means of connection with other people, uh, whether it's for work and business or for our leisure and, and what we perceive as just personal or social connection, there is a bit of cost every time we use a device or every time we log in, even for the nature of online video calls, uh, similar to how we're connecting today we might not even realize it until after the fact that it costs us energy. It is seemingly exhausting to keep this up and keep it going day to day. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's small, uh, small issues that seem to pop up as this is being studied more and more, be it through the telephone or very much so in, um, where it's, it seems to be an enhanced issue when it's through video sessions a lot of people realize that there's a consumption of energy or time based on the little bit of delay that occurs in our conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we have to adjust to what people are saying, we're accounting for lag. We also, we're extremely limited in 
the nonverbals that we get to pay attention to normally when there could be a face-to-face -face or in-person interaction. There oh, are okay. all of these limitations that come into play and it means that we're working harder to maintain our connections. Yeah. So it's been reported recently, a lot of people end up feeling even more exhausted at the end of their work days as they stare at their computer and they try and have these online meetings. And that's been a strange thing where people are wondering like, what exactly is going on? You add to it when we speak of work-life balance that typically we, we're so reliant on our devices, computers, and our phones. At some point, people will have an effect of digital fatigue, but the way in which they're bringing balance into their lives, we have this digital fatigue seemingly balanced with a digital gratification. And mm. it's an unfortunate balance. What does people that mean? Think, what do you mean by that? Like that balance of gratification, I'm sorry, digital gratification. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a bit? Well, I mean, how many people at the end of a long, busy workday staring at a computer say, ah, I'm done, logging off, finished my work, and I'll go to Facebook. <laughs> okay, God. Or I'll go onto my WhatsApp and I'll connect with my friends and family, or I've got to make this post on my Instagram or I'll go on YouTube and I'll drown out the day by looking at this other thing. We're using digital media, electronics, mm -hmm. and various devices to offset the fatigue we've accumulated <laughs> through the day. Okay, and ex we're expecting to feel better at the end of it. And of course, I don't know if that's on, on your radar necessarily, but I, of course I'm hearing that in my practice where people are saying these things like, gee, I'm, I'm having trouble getting to sleep at night. So, well, you're staring at the blue light for two hours before you're trying to. I, I don't think I made the association. <laughs> I don't think I made the association until I asked you that question about what do you mean by digital gratification? But you're so mm, true because some mm -hmm. of us may not recognize that, like you said, at the end of the day, going on Facebook, you know, to look at, you know, what's what's going on is actually adding to that, yes. but we may not think it's officially work. You know what I mean? It still adds to that digital connection. Right? That's right. And so there's a part of it that does feel different because we're using the device in a different way, perhaps more for ourselves as opposed to someone else, be it, you know, a work environment versus our own personal interests. And yet my encouragement, my emphasis, my reminder is that this is a cost to us. So we have to do it differently. Mm. And if we start looking at the bigger picture here, this is not just you know, seven or eight months of this worldwide pandemic forcing further connection to digital media and electronics. This is bigger stuff. You know, you reference the joke with millennials now, you know, kids nowadays, etc. Mm -hmm. There's an entire generation that mm. has this as their, their go-to for, for play, for resourcing, for, you know, it's, it's a digital pacifier for a lot of young people. Yes. And they don't seem to know that there's any difference between what they can gain or use in a digital format versus the old concept of get outside and see yeah. some nature. Exactly, and be out there and play, right? <laughs> exactly, it changes the nature of our play and our leisure entirely. And the other thing I do wanna ask you as well is when it comes to, um, you know, for those of us who work from home, there's also kids now, there are, schooling right mm -hmm. so the other component of the digital add-on is that while you're working yes you're looking at your computer and doing what you need to do but sometimes during the day you might also need to go to your kids computer 
and help them with whatever they need help with, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another element adding on to more digital fatigue. You know what I mean? Even though it's not your station, now you're looking at somebody else's station and your brain has to adjust. So I, I really do, um, you know, empathize with a lot of people who are working from home that having to, to deal with that element of it too. And it's, it's as though it's not properly anticipated how, how much the work-life balance and the, the, the real balancing act I mean, it means that we were going to offset some of those things that create fatigue and stress with other things that provide us resources and resilience. And yet it is an assumption that we go into the home environment and as though we can just take it all on, that we can be present to our kids, that we can help them with their digital workstations and do tech support. You know, it's, it's always been a little bit the joke, even for some uh, of my parents' generations of when I see them how much of the evening is put to tech support and helping them out on how to rewire the, the old VCR or connect <laughs> it to Netflix right, or something like right, that. Right, right, yeah. So these are our home environments where there's a digital component or electronics component which costs us something. Yeah. And whether it's our kids, our parents, or our personal lives where we're reliant on these devices, if it is going to cost us something and we're starting to see the accumulation of this stress over time, then of course everyone comes in asking, what do I need to do about it? And in most cases, I confront a lot of people saying that some of these answers are quite simple, but you're not gonna like the simplistic nature of them. One, because it requires a little bit of work Mm. and some of the work is in the realm of disconnection. Yeah, which I think is a good segue now to us maybe talking about that how do we, what are the best practices we can think about, James, for us to achieve that better balance between personal and professional life? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, factoring disconnection and how realistic is that for many of us? And what right. are some tips for you that you can, you know, think of for us who may have that problem with balance? <clears throat> no names mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, as I mentioned, some of uh, what I get to do is I, I title it a gentle confrontation. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's a, a quick conversation to say, hey, what, what are those big pieces that you're juggling right now? What is it that you're doing? And how much are you taking for yourself? You know, or maybe we put up on the board. We do the old pie chart and say, how much of this belongs just to you? Right. How much is for your work? How much is for your kids, your partner? What is your balancing act? And how uncomfortable it is for some people to stare up at the board or have that conversation and realize that on that chart or in their realization, there's just this tiny little sliver of the pie, which is left for themselves. And so if that whole thing is being taken up and there's not much left for the individual, how is that person using that time effectively? Exactly. And in the same way that we are professionals and we conduct ourselves well in business and things are scheduled and we have to reply to emails and mm-hmm. we're always chasing after stuff to keep ourselves on our toes and there we're, therefore we're accountable to others. If we, if we actually look at the calendar and imagine how much is going out versus how much is coming in with mm-hmm. our own energy expenditure. Yeah. So how much are we doing for ourselves? And I'm, I'm finding consistently this, this idea of self-care. It's as though it's a nice, it is a nice idea. It's a nice to have. And yet, geez, is it really that realistic? 
And so some of my confrontation to my clients can be that we have to make this a priority. And it's not that I get to abandon all responsibilities and say, hey, sorry, kids, dinner's uh, on you tonight. I'm going for my massage. <laughs> as nice as that might be, the idea behind it is that we have to create a little bit of time and energy that is just our own. And in counseling, we look at some internal resourcing, not just the stuff that we can rely on externally, but can I go into a little bit of uh, inner reflection, pondering uh, what I take gratitude for? Uh, am I investing into my hopes and goals? Am I working with the type of positive, realistic, or even the negative self-talk that I'm aware of that goes on inside? Do I incorporate a level of visualization okay. mm -hmm. to chase after the things that I want? Do I add some level of grounding or regulation and mindfulness as a component or proportion of my day. Most of these things, as far as exercises and activities, they only cost a few minutes at a time. They're extremely small costs, and yet the payoff can be quite a, a big thing for us. And I'm, I'm trying to remind a lot of people that this is not hard work, and yet we're going to get out of this what we put into it. So make sure we don't dismiss some of these basics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So maybe we can just recap for us in terms of some of those basic things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of that, the theme that I'm hearing you say today is self-care. Absolutely. Right? Taking, putting ourselves as yes. that priority. And out of that self-care, you know, you talked about making sure there's a schedule that we actually put in for ourselves to take care mm -hmm. of ourselves. What other, like I said, just to do a, a quick kind of recap for everybody who's listening, you know, mm -hmm. what, what are those tips again? What are those practical things that we can do easy steps as you just as you talked about indeed well i mean the scheduling piece uh, might be the nice to have and it is more the confrontation or reminder that yes we have to start doing things differently if we're noticing the accumulation of stress we might watch that there's changes to our sleep our diet and our exercise so it requires that we might be focusing on or juggling how we're managing those big three pieces but as far as specific activities, when I talked before about the, the necessity around a disconnection, I'm saying that is as far as our electronics and devices are concerned. Mm. If digital fatigue is the area that is costing us and we use, we accumulate fatigue in our work, our business, our leisure, if we are going to it as our source also of relief or gratification, I would say first, be careful with that one and make sure that the priority is a disconnection from your electronics. Yeah. So do face the journal, do get outside, do engage socially where it is appropriate and comfortable mm -hmm. and make realistic efforts where that is plotted, charted and organized in a schedule or on the calendar. Know how much time you're spending connected to the electronics and make it a priority to carve out a small and realistic amount of time where you're not relying on it. Right. And that can easily be a 15 minute segment every morning. Yeah. Facing the journal. Journaling is something that has a bit of a, maybe even a bad rap because the reputation there is sometimes people think our journal is almost like our dumping ground <laughs> as though we're going to log in the diary, all the tough things and stresses that are going on in the world. And then we close the book and 
Gosh, that's a chronicle of all the, the stinky stuff, stuff we're facing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, geez, why would I want to keep facing this every morning? Right. And there's, there needs to be an acknowledgement that yes, I am, I am in the midst of my balancing act. And so there may be some stressors, there may be some challenges. And how am I attempting to balance them out? What can I invest in that gives me a sense of reassurance? And so even in journaling, I try and coach individuals by saying we can acknowledge the stuff that is challenging, stressful, and problematic, but it has to coexist with things that we believe in, mm -hmm. with things we take gratitude for. So that's why you may have heard of a gratitude list or gratitude yes, journal. Yes, yeah, I was gonna mention that, yeah. In, in, there's a, there are too many things, even across this year, 2020, <laughs> quite honestly, month to month, there's been some world thing going on that adds additional weight or stress to our situation. It is not exactly the best of years. And so the more that we accumulate, the more balancing act we have to perform. And I'm not gonna suggest that, gee, only five or 15 minutes every morning is gonna make that best case scenario and it's gonna, we're gonna succeed always in our balance, but it is something. We have to make an effort, we have to contribute to it. And so I might log in my journal my challenges, but I might also acknowledge that, that which I am thankful for, the things that I know to be true, that I can believe in, mm -hmm. that when I acknowledge on my page in front of me, mm -hmm. it gives me a sense of relief or reassurance. Mm -hmm. This sentiment or this, this work about a reassurance to self is actually one of the main pieces or messages that I try and transmit with a lot of my clients that so many people seek be it their gratification, their resources, their reliance and reassurance on things external to them. As they seek out reassurance from things external to them, sometimes they find more to be anxious about and more to be stressed out about. And it is a practice. Uh, it is then a kind of work for us that we look inward. Okay. And that is an area that people need to um, develop some confidence in. It's not a quick and easy, and yet with a bit of practice, a little bit each day or each morning. When you've heard of psychologists or coaches talking about um, gratitude lists, it is something that it builds pathways in the brain that says that amidst our stressors and anxieties, we can start to learn that the beautiful things in life can coexist so it's not all doom and gloom. It's right. all, not all stress and burnout. That there can be a sense of balance in the things that we believe in. Some of that can create, <clears throat> pardon me, some of that can create a confidence and uh, a belief that we're going to be okay and we're going to get through things and that there's much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And that's in the realm of positive visualization and self-talk. And so it does require practice to get into that mindset. Yeah. And then, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, James, the other thing that I'm also mindful of too is I, I listen to, you know, reading um, a lot of business kind of publications. Mm. You're saying that the workplace is, is forever going to be changed. <clears throat> and even with this pandemic finishing, or I don't know what the word is, subsiding over the next year or so, workplaces are, are basically going to say people can work from home more. 
And as you know, big organizations like Twitter and what have you are mm -hmm. ending workplace, uh, working from home for another year, I think. Where, how, what kind of tips can you give us on how to draw the line between personal and professional so that, you know, there, there's that balance. We talked about it earlier, but any kind of, you know, tips or, or, or guidance you can give us about personal and work not being completely intertwined, especially like mm -hmm. you said, we're working from home and living at home too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the only way that we can achieve some form of balance is to identify where our boundaries exist. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's often talked about lightly or we ponder, you know, as soon as we are stuck between the, the ears, we do a lot of great thinking and spinning in our thoughts, which only seems to grow anxiety even more so. But this act of affirming and announcing what our boundaries truly are, mm -hmm. I want people to take a larger section of the pie for themselves. Mm -hmm. And if everything is going to be from home or the work situation is going to be contained within the same four walls as where we also live day to day, we connect with our partners and families, the boundary of where work ends and leisure and personal life begins, that needs to be wholeheartedly declared to be it friends and family and those that want to interact with us. It, it needs to be made a priority. And I mean, we, we get this on, on every good business trip or potentially even holiday. The first reminder about balance is that, you know, should the pilot encounter an emergency and the oxygen mask drops down, mm. be sure to take that first sip of oxygen for yourself yes. before you start helping others. Yes. And it's the implication here. I mean, it's the same message. We've got to take care of, of ourselves individually, independently on our own first. So there's an actual priority to self-care mm. in order for this goal of, of longevity yeah, that's not just a for long analogy. life, but for good, uh, long-lived relationships and connections. No, that's a very good analogy to remind us, Jane, like you say, take care of ourselves first, and then, you know, take care of others from there on, right? And this whole, like I said, the, the digital fatigue is real. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, and uh, I'm just really thankful, speaking of gratitude list, that you've given us your time today. Because um, I'm sure, like you said, you talk about this all the time with your clients for you to share some of your viewpoints um, with my, get, uh, you know, my audience. I, I'm really appreciative of that, James. Well, and you're welcome. I'm, I'm very happy to be speaking about something that is so present in our lives, of course. Mm -hmm. And there's, there is endless stuff to talk about in, in this area. And I wish I could uh, give you a little bit more uh, on say even tips and tricks, you know, we barely scratch the surface on what we're all supposed to do. There is message around self-care and boundary setting and engaging in activities that uh, help us do that balancing act. I referenced a few of them, but we've only given some title to, to some of it. So it's difficult perhaps for people to know exactly what to do with it, but I encourage that they research and yeah. that they pay attention to what they need as well. Well, I guess in the marketing world, this is what we call a teaser, right? So we can hopefully <laughs> have, uh, maybe mm -hmm. have more of these conversations to come, right? Um, but I, I truly am grateful that you spent this time with us because I know you, you know, took some time to do some research as well. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier to our guests, James and his wife, Lynn, 
are co-founders of Aster Wellness. And um, it's Aster, A-S-T-E-R, wellness.ca. And if you go on there, you'll see James's um, very impressive bio and also Lynn as well and many other professionals that they have working with them. So um, please go visit that website. And um, James, any parting thought uh, before we end today's uh, podcast? Well, I would say that, you know, as there's this little glimpse of sunshine outside, mm-hmm. I'll encourage everyone, you too, Phoebe. Yes, I will. <laughs> practice at least a few minutes of self-care today. So go outside, enjoy the sun, and try and disconnect from your devices today, everyone. Yes. Well, thank you again. And um, thank you, everybody, for, uh, for listening to our podcast. We will have more to come. But uh, thanks again, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day. This has been the If I Had a Crystal Ball podcast with Magnolia MC. If you like our show and want to know more, or you're interested in joining the conversation in an upcoming episode, go to our website, magnoliamc.com, or check out any of our past episodes on major podcast apps. Thanks for listening. See you next month.